From the Selfish Path to Romance, download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. May I ask, have you been in contact with your mother recently? Why? Well, I haven't talked to my mother in quite a while. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not mean to pry. Okay, that's from Chocolat. So many people have distance, re- distant, distanced relationships with their parents, with their mom or their dad, and sometimes it's totally essential. You've got a totally irrational or envious parent who is really bad for your life, and you need to cut the ties. That doesn't mean that the longing for a better parent isn't there, and a longing that your parents aren't better won't always be with you. But you need to deal with the facts. You need to deal with what actually exists. You may have a mixed parent, some good and some bad, and it really keeps you on your toes. And you keep a distance for a while, then you get closer, you get burnt, then you put yourself at a distance and the parent does something nice. Or you may have someone that's a loving parent, but maybe you've burned the bridges and you don't know how to reconnect again. Those are all the sorts of issues that you can call me about. Again, I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. My number is toll-free, 1-877-DR-K-E-N-N-E-R. Now, before the break, I said I would be talking about a little boy who had a germ phobia. This is it. Dear Dr. Kenner, my son Mikey is almost six years old. My wife and I are very clean with our house and kitchen. In the last two weeks, my son has been obsessed with germs and asks, is this good for me? Type questions while eating any meal. We are not Howard Hughes, but we like to stay clean. Howard Hughes had a germ phobia at the end of his life. Regarding dirt, we wash before meals. We take baths every other day. We don't touch doggy poop. And we don't eat food that has touched the floor. This has become a huge issue with him and with us as a family. I also have twin two-year-olds, and his statements encourage the girls' outlook. Is this just a phase, or should I be concerned? His daycare is asked if we are germ-phobic, and I feel we're not. But this stops him from eating and participating in any event the daycare has to offer. So this is pretty serious if he's not involved in daycare. I'm worried. Any thoughts on this, or what to advise? Now, your son, Mikey is probably looking for good standards. And if you've told him, clean yourself, wash your hands before every meal, he may do what most kids do. They mimic their parents' behavior. Now, I know kids also rebel against their parents, but in this case, he's mimicking it. And he may believe what you tell him. There are germs here. There are germs on your hands. You've been outside. And he may take that seriously, not knowing what the heck germs are, because germs aren't something like dirt that you can see. Germs are invisible. And he also may have heard something on TV or from other sources. If he heard, if you don't wash your your hands, you might get sick like your aunt did. She's been throwing up all night. And little Mikey has thrown up before. He doesn't want to throw up. And he goes, he starts to develop a germ phobia. Or maybe something innocent like, I know your hand slipped when you ate your piece of chocolate, the very last one. And say it fell on a clean kitchen floor. But the floor is teeming with germs that could make you very sick or could kill you. Do you know what is on that floor? Now, obviously, that's way overstated. A parent should never do that. They may say the cats and dogs have been walking on it, and they bring in germs from the outside, and your shoes track in the mud. And so he may have developed a germ phobia from that. Or he may have developed a germ phobia. When you mentioned this, I ran and got one of my books that I had for my kids from the story of Louis Pasteur. This is a kid's book. Now, in this book, Louis Pasteur is looking for these 
ugly little, they look like upside down black raisins with mean teeth, mean eyes in them creatures called germs and then you get this darling little boy joey it's all cartoon characters and joey gets bitten by a dog that's frothing at the mouth and the dog has these little mean creatures in them called germs and joey gets so very sick that he almost 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 dies but then he gets a needle and in the needle there are little army men in this needle that are about to be shot into little joey and on the most graphic page visually graphic page my husband is looking at it now you have all of these horrible little eyes peering out of a black just a black background these are all the germs and then you turn on the light and all of those little raisin creatures but you know with red faces and ominous eyes and sharp teeth are staring at you and those are germs those are called the terrible germs and they don't want the magical soldiers to kill them the immune the, the what louis pasteur developed now if a kid reads this book and he's really young like six years old he doesn't have the context of what a germ is and that there are good germs we need to have bacteria in our gut and in our mouth so if you could help educate him show him that there are good germs and give him reasonable standards it's okay to eat an occasional thing off the floor you won't die even if you get a cold you recover you have an immune system that's phenomenal so you can teach him good standards while while still being reasonable if he's at a picnic and he drops a piece of chocolate let him eat it like i told you earlier i ate my the piece of lobster that fell on the ground i rinsed it off and ate it again thank you so hopefully that helps with him you want to give him facts also listen carefully to him say to him honey tell me what you know about germs and he may say, well, I saw that the germs kill the monster on the TV, or Grandma died, and I heard it was from germs she had. And, you know, he may have some thought content content that's out of context, and you can help him with that. You can educate him. You may have a budding doctor on your hands. He may become a doctor as he grows up if he's got an interest in germs. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness, and I hope that helps out. And here's the case I talked about earlier. Dear Dr. Kenner, I'm a 50-year-old woman, single, one dog, two cats, and an iguana, all salvaged from various places, and a house mortgage willed to me by my dad, an alcoholic who died last summer. Okay, so we know she's going through some grief. Her father died, or maybe not. Maybe it was good riddance. You know, if he was an alcoholic and did a lot of damage in her life and left her with a mortgage. Uh, she's looking for people for, she's salvaging animals. She continues, my grandson is one of the few things I have. My daughter's going through that stage where she wants to be independent, so we're not spending social time together. But when she needs me, we get along great. I've been trying to get used to the idea of living alone. I had a six-year feudal relationship with a guy who was a drinker, an alcoholic. Then I ran into my former boyfriend, Frank, also an alcoholic. I had a relationship with him three times before and lost him three times before. We started dating again, and I thought it wouldn't work because he's still drinking. But then he went into detox, and he's had 80 clean days. And he says he's going to move 400 miles to live with me, but he never acts on it. And I've had a lot of trouble finding work, too. I, I've had a lot of work experience, um, so I, what I decided to do was to, have, to pick up a part-time job at a restaurant, and I employ myself as a painter. 
Times are tough and I'm trying to keep afloat. I'm trying to find things to look forward to. Now that's what I underlined here. I'm not happy, not able to please myself. So the iguana doesn't cut it, nor do these alcoholic boyfriends. And I'm not able to find peace within myself. I'm an artist, and I've wanted to write a book for a long time. I think the lack of close friends is a big problem. I've got no one to talk to. I'm on Wellbutrin, which is a pill, and I'm trying to quit smoking. I don't drink any alcohol, and I'm in somewhat good health. So what do you do in that sense, in that case? This is from Cindy. Well... I would try to focus on what you love in life, Cindy. And if you're just stringing along, if the romances of the sky is stringing you along, you don't want to continue a romance like that. You want to be able to branch out, but you need an action plan. You can't just wait for things to happen. Now, I know you've been looking for a job. I would continue doing that, but I would also, in your some spare time you have, maybe sign up for a writer's group. And, or get on the web and go to writers' groups. There's a, a book by Ayn Rand on the art of um, writing nonfiction and the art of fiction, which you can get at the Ayn Rand Bookstore.com. There's another wonderful book, Freelance, Writings for, for, Freelance Writing for Magazines and Newspapers by Marsha Yudkin, which you could pick up. So you can start to enjoy that career on the side. Plus, you may meet people. It would serve two purposes. You would start to develop some friends who share your interest in writing or in art, if there's a different type of art, painting or sculpture that you like. You can get involved with that in your spare time. In terms of romance, perhaps you'll find a man who shares that interest too. So I think you're, you're casting your net in the wrong direction for alcoholics, and it may be due to having had a father as an alcoholic. You, sometimes you hear the phrase that women marry their people, men like their fathers. You don't want to make that mistake because sometimes you, unless you have a good father, but in this case, not your father's worst traits. So I hope that helps you out. And coming up, if you've ever been called selfish and you think it's unfair and you try instead to be humble and you don't like your life that way, stay tuned. We've got journalist Peter Schwartz with us to discuss the myths around selfishness. Jamie's master. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by Dr. Ellen Kenner. People frequently blame their partner for a lack of intimacy, but it is not always the partner's fault. Some people truly fear intimacy. Having a fragile sense of self, they feel vulnerable to being hurt, ridiculed, or rejected. Such individuals are chronically anxious. Paradoxically, they may also cling to their partner for security, not for intimacy, and make unreasonable narcissistic demands. Some reject intimacy because they fear valuing, wanting, or desiring. They may be emotionally repressed or feel guilty. Valuing, they fear, is too risky or too self-assertive. They may have spent their lives pleasing others or may have been hurt in the past, falsely concluding that it's safer not to pursue or to have personal values. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.